92.7 WMAY. It's going to be a very interesting summer in Springfield, a very unique musical production to be staged at the Hoagland Center for the Arts pretty much all summer long. This is an original production, and where it goes from here, well, time will tell, but we're very excited to be welcoming the premiere very soon of The Lincolns of Springfield, a musical that tells the love story of Abe and Mary Todd Lincoln. And we're joined by the author, Terry Crenair, his wife, Rebecca, who is the production director of the this uh, musical that is coming to the Hoagland Center for the Arts. And thank you both for being here. And we really appreciate your time and very excited to hear all about this. Oh, thank you for having us. It's a pleasure. Uh, we Take us back, uh, Terry, we'll start with you. Take us back to the origins of this show and, and what inspired you to write it. Well, I, I was raised in Southern Ohio and Southern Indiana. So I, I was exposed at an early age to all of the, the, the Lincoln historic sites back, back in that part of the country. And uh, it, it was something that uh, I, I, I had taken, uh, taken to when I was a, uh, a young boy. I worked as an actor. I was always involved in theater. I was the kid in the fifth grade, you know, who they picked us to recite the Gettysburg Address. <laughs> as I always, I, I developed a passion for, for the Lincolns early on. Uh, I got my undergraduate degree at Indiana University and where I studied theater and music. And it, it, they, it had always been a passion of mine. And when I was fortunate enough to get into, after IU, I went to New York and I was fortunate enough to get into the BMI Musical Theater Workshop, which was taught by a man known as the Dean of the Broadway Musical, Layman Engel, who's passed away since then. And uh, I, I had suggested uh, to do, that I wanted to do an original musical because sometimes you get into problems with rights. And uh, I suggested this project, and and um, he said it's going to be a lot of work. And I said I know that, but that, that that's basically I was trying to find something an original piece that uh, I was passionate about. Just as an aside, you had a, a famous classmate in that BMI theater workshop too, correct? Well, I have several, yeah, um, but the, probably the, the most well known would be Howard Ashman. Uh, we, we were at Indiana University together. We both started writing about the same time, and we were picking each other's brains even back then. And but I, I at that time I I was writing more kind of pop folk music, and but Howard was uh, uh, writing his first musical, uh, which was based on um, Hans Christian Andersen's The Snow Queen. And so it's uh, I think it's no accident that Disney ended up doing Frozen because of. Uh, their relationship with Howard and, and his having written, uh, you know, the lyrics for Little Mermaid and most of Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast. Certainly. So, yeah, we, we, uh, we, we were good friends. Well, we are, we're very excited that we get the benefit of having the Lincoln's musical coming to Springfield here at the Hoagland Center for the Arts. Rebecca, I want to bring you into this conversation uh, as you're handling a lot of the coordination of the production, et cetera. Your thoughts as your husband came to you with this idea and about, uh, you know, the, the, the big undertaking to bring an original stage musical to life. Well, Terry and I have very similar backgrounds. I'm also from the Midwest. I'm from the Quad Cities, Davenport. I lived there till I was about 12. And so I also had early exposure to Lincoln as our greatest hero. And um, Terry and I met when we were both in Los Angeles. I was working at the Los Angeles Civic Light Opera and he was developing his skills as a writer. And uh, then we got married 
And then he started working on this show. And at that time, we were living down the road from the Huntington Library, where they have a whole wing of Lincoln scholars. And being from the Midwest, we both understood how important it was that he got this script uh, accurate, totally accurate. And so he would uh, write a scene and write a musical number and take that material down to the Lincoln scholars and let them have at it. And if there was anything that was incorrect, anything that was a legend, it was just out, <laughs> out. So um, one of the things that I really love about the show is that it's truthful. There are no legends. There, there's no makeup of anything. There's no historical license taken anywhere in the show, which to me just proves how truth is stranger than fiction. We don't have to put in any kind of silly stuff just to make it more dramatic. The story is very dramatic in and of itself. I have to admit, I'm impressed with, uh, for lack of a better term, the audacity of bringing a show like this to Springfield. We're very possessive of Lincoln here, and, and we all have in our own minds our thoughts about who Lincoln was, how he spoke, how he walked, how he talked. We think about Lincoln in a lot of ways, but not necessarily as a song and dance man. How do you oh. present Abe Lincoln in a musical format while still staying true to that mission of being historically accurate and being uh, realistic in what you're presenting. I well, think I want to respond to that because we've had people uh, from the very beginning who would say, what are you going to have Abe Lincoln tap dancing or something, you know? And we had to really think about that because that's not how the show is set up at all. The first part of the show takes place when they're very young, they're kids Mary's like 13, 14, and he's about 10 years older. They're very young and charming and delightful. And they have beautiful songs that they sing that really work for the characters and that are really respectful of who they are as characters. And you'll meet some of the characters that, you know, had great influence on them, such as Madame Mantel, who was Mary's governess at a finishing school, um, another woman, a household slave who raised her, her name was Mammy Sally. Um, we meet uh, Abe's stepmother and father and, and the, the backwoods people that he associated with when he was very young. And it's very charming and delightful. However, in the second act, it gets much more serious and it, it possesses the gravitas that our greatest president should be entitled to. It's serious because it's taking place, you know, uh, in the White House with the Civil War in the background. Terry, let me ask you about the the musical style of this production. Did you uh, aim to to present uh, more period pieces? Do you have more contemporary stylings? Is it sort of a mix of all of the above? As you're trying to put this this very important life story to music, how do you approach it? Well, I, you know, I was heavily influenced. Um, by Lehman and who had worked closely with um, all the major composers, conducted multiple and Broadway shows for Rodgers and Hammerstein and uh, Irving Berlin, Lerner and Lowe. And um, so it, it really is in, in, in that style. Uh, the, 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 the traditional Broadway musicals are more melodic, um, the, gold, the golden age, more melodic and, um, with 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 um, with pure rhyme schemes, so you know it it is it's in that that style, and I think it's, it, it it fits 
it fits the period for these characters. I would say that there, there are, because I've done, a, I was doing a lot of pop writing. There's a distinction between writing for radio and writing for the stage. Uh, and I, I think some of the songs are kind of a, a hybrid, if you will, um, with, you know, with a little bit more of a contemporary sound, uh, but in the style of, of like a Rodgers and Hammerstein or Lerner and Lowe. We're talking with Terry and Rebecca Croner, the husband and wife creative team behind The Link is a Springfield, coming to the Hoagland Center for the Arts this summer. Uh, tell me a bit about your cast. Uh, you can go to the website, thelinkinsofspringfield.com, and learn a lot about the show. Here's some of the music there. There's some videos uh, showing uh, the cast performing uh, some of these numbers. Uh, I was struck by how uh, suitably and accurately tall your Abe Lincoln is. Tell me about uh, finding someone to fill those very big shoes. Well, we started off, um, our, originally we had, when we did, did our stage readings, our equity stage readings in New York, um, we, we had a, a, a gentleman there who was, uh, I think he was about 6'6". Six, six. And, uh, you know, uh, the actors have to go where they have to go. So he wasn't available for this production. But uh, we have a, a guy, Matt, Matthew Patrick Davis, uh, and he is 6'8". And uh, you would think, well, maybe that's too tall for a, but I think, uh, you know, over time, as people have uh, 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 at, at this point uh, increased in height, uh, that the ratio is, is appropriate and, and it serves the, the show well. And um, he's, he's a great singer. He's been on, he's a Broadway performer and uh, he started some, some films people might recognize. And uh, I would like to add that he's a really fine actor. I've been really impressed with his study of Lincoln's character and his behaviors and how he has assimilated that into his character development with Abe. It's really quite impressive. There's a lot of Lincoln-esque humor. You know, he was a great storyteller, as you know. And, uh, and, you know, I'm impressed when I talk to people in Springfield about all the knowledge that they have uh, about Abe. What I think is interesting is uh, there's not so much known about Mary and their, and their early years. And th- this, this show has two really strong female characters. Uh, it has a very large arc as Beck, Beck, uh, Becca was indicating. And it's because of that, we have a storyteller named Elizabeth Keckley. And a lot of people know about, about her, but most people don't. And she, she was a former slave who was able to purchase her own freedom and her son's freedom by being a seamstress to Washington High Society. And she became Mary's uh, seamstress and did her inaugural gown and then all her gowns after that. And they became the closest of friends. And and um, she was uh, her, her modiste and, and confidant. And so she fills in the gaps of the story uh, when we are doing this, this very large arc. And so she's very strong and, and I think what what I'm discovering as I talk to people in Springfield is a lot of the people, you know, they know, for instance, that Abe lost his mom and that he had this great stepmother. But they don't know that Mary lost her mom at even a younger age, at age six. And she didn't get she didn't get um, have, the, have the kind of relationship Abe had with his stepmother and uh, instead was raised by uh, the household slave who was the nursemaid to the family. And they had like. 14 children living in the family, ultimately. And um, the, how that influenced um, Mary's abolitionist roots from the very beginning. 
Tell me a bit about your Mary Todd Lincoln, and at the risk of irritating a dear friend of mine who's uh, one of the preeminent Mary Todd Lincoln interpreters here in the Springfield area, uh, we always think of Mary as a bit frumpy and maybe even a little bit crazy in her later years. You have uh, an absolutely glamorous actress uh, playing Mary Todd Lincoln. Uh, How do you transition her to the Mary we all know? I'll let Becky handle that one. (laughs) Well, Mary is introduced to you at a very young age when she was a little Scarlett O'Hara sort of. She was a a Southern belle, very charming, uh, very, very well-educated, more well-educated than a lot of men from that time. And she was, you know, very socially astute and just charming and quite a catch. Very different than when we think of her now, when we think of her in her older years, when she has suffered so much grief and has had so many horrific experiences in her life, losing three of her boys and her husband. Just really a hard, hard life that would have changed her personality a great deal. 